Welcome to Who Are You, the podcast where we interview people you've never heard of. I'm John Tyler. And I'm Ian Fox. And Ian, there's a third person here with us today. Who are you? I'm Kimaya Diggs. <laughs> what? <laughs> Kimaya Diggs? Mm-hmm. <laughs> wow. Well, thanks for joining us uh, this week. Yeah. <laughs> it's been great talking to you. Thanks for being here, Kimaya. Uh, so I don't know if you, I, I'm guessing you haven't listened to, uh, the show before cause it's, you know, it's still pretty new. Uh, but, <laughs> it's true. uh, generally, you know, we just have a, a, a little conversation with, uh, whoever is here with us. Uh, you know, nothing, we don't, we don't have any really, any, anything on an agenda really. We just kind of sit well, and have an a agenda, natural John. conversation. Um, well, but I, I did want to just, you know, before we got started, I just mm-hmm. wanted to ask Kamaya if, um, I don't know if there's been any sort of like big events in her life recently or anything sort of significant that she wanted to talk about. Yeah, sure. Um, on Sunday, I put out my first album. What? Yeah, it happened. <laughs> <laughs> on vinyl? No. Oh my uh, God. Putting something out on vinyl is freaking expensive. I made CDs because I love CDs. Um, and then they have digital versions and I made all sorts of other treats that go along with it. Mm. Well, wow. Now, I I have to, um, you know, I have to be honest here for a second. I actually, I did know that you had released an album, Kimaya. Hey. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, well, now, Kimaya, now you're the one who's lying because you knew that I knew. I know. There's so many layers here. Yeah, this is, it's getting very confusing. We should probably move past this. Uh-huh. Uh, so how, how does it feel, though, to, like... To have an album, to be a published musician. Is that what you call it? I, you say? <laughs> I don't know. Published. Yeah, I'm not sure. It feels really, really good, though. We did our release show on Sunday. Um, we had more than 100 people come to the venue with less than a month's notice um, and sold some 80 CDs. And it was it Damn. felt almost like a wedding or a birthday party. The person who opened up for my show um, actually called me the birthday girl. And I felt like it because every time people walked <laughs> into the show, I was like, hi, how are you? Thank you for coming. And then afterwards, it was like a receiving line. They'd be like, that was great. And I was like, thank you. It means so much that you were here. <laughs> it was <laughs> super fun. Um, but it feels really special. It really sort of hit me when I saw my blue verified check mark on Spotify this morning. Ooh. Oh, you're on Spotify? I am, as of yeah. like oh, 3.20 a.m. So actually, oh, I wanted damn. to bring that up, Kamaya, because I, I purchased a, a digital copy of this album, uh, not realizing that it was on Spotify. Now that I know it's on Spotify. Uh, I mean, it's it's a little crass to ask for my money back, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm already paying for Spotify Premium, which I assume goes straight into your pocket. Yes, 100% <laughs> of everyone's Spotify Premium premiums go into my pocket. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, I just I just put it on Spotify this morning. I there's so much that I've learned throughout this process. Like you can pay this company 20 bucks and they will put all of your music on every online streaming thingy. So it's on like Pandora and Google Play and iTunes and Spotify and then all these different ones that I've never heard of that are in different countries and like everywhere. It's everywhere. Oh man, wow. nice. So actually, yeah. So um, we when we interview people on this show, we try to really, um, you know, extract helpful tips for our audience. Try to like you know, give them actionable advice. Um, so can you take us through the process of creating an album? 
Oh, yeah, sure. So my husband, Jacob, was super instrumental in making it all happen. He is the one who was the recording engineer for the album. His band, Lux Deluxe, has a studio. So we recorded there um, in between their own recording projects. Um, and so first of all, you got to track all the songs, right? And for me, I had to arrange the songs because I don't have a band. So <laughs> I was demoing some of the songs on my phone. And stuff like that, but a lot of times oh, wow. I would just record the guitar and vocals and then just sit around in the studio and try to come up with other ideas. Um, so that was challenging, but a really great experience. Um, and then after that, you gotta mix it, which is an expensive and time consuming <laughs> process where little stuff is edited out, like weird breaths I took while singing or guitar gaffes or whatever. Um, okay. and then sounds are changed or effects are added to sort of bring the whole thing together and all, especially add like a, an arc to an entire song. Mm. Um, and that we probably with the nine songs, I think we did something like 23 hours of mixing maybe. Um, oh, now was yeah. that mostly you working on the mixing or did you have like an outside professional? Oh, we it? had an outside super pro. Danny Bernini was the one who mixed it. He is so great has such a great year um and was just very patient with me <laughs> because it's like until you've experienced mixing you don't really know how to record to mm -hmm. have your recordings mixed you know what i mean there were some okay. things i thought we'd be able to change in mixing that we weren't and then some things i thought we wouldn't be able to change that we were able to change um okay yeah just because, like, the software capabilities are always expanding and the specific engineer who's working on it, it kind of depends on their taste and their experience. There's so many variables. It's a little bit overwhelming. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then the next step is mastering. So got all the songs on the album to sort of sound like they all were recorded in the same time and place. Mm. Um, because we actually recorded over almost two years. Oh, my oh, goodness. Yeah. <laughs> it was a long process. And then we had the layout and design for the CDs. Then the CDs came. And then suddenly, I abruptly booked the release show almost less than a month before it happened. And then tons and tons oh, wow. of advertising. And my precious sister works for an advertising firm. Um, and so she sort of headed up my social media advertising. Um, and then Jacob, who had advertised online for a lot of his own shows was always like you got to make a post this day you got to post a video this day you got to post a picture this day <laughs> um yeah and then putting together the freaking show was insane because i'd never played with a full band before oh wow okay so did um did you play with the same people who like recorded the various instruments for the uh, album or did you bring people in specifically for the show i brought people in specifically for the show all the tracks on the album are recorded by either me or jacob um oh okay yeah but his bandmates his brother and then um the drummer of their band also named jacob uh, <laughs> they have such good synchronicity with each other they have really good intuition they read each other really well and they're really adaptable um so it was okay. a real treat to put together the show with them because i could just play i was like oh i don't know the names of beats and stuff like how am i supposed to talk to a drummer and then they were like just play the song and we'll just play stuff with you and it magically happened oh nice yeah <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, and you've like worked with all of them before, right? Because you've done backup vocals for them. Uh, is that correct? Yeah, I have done backing vocals for them. Um, and Jacob and I actually re-met after high school where we were not friends. Um, we re-met because <laughs> he hired me and my sisters to play strings on his band's album. So we had worked, I had worked with them in a professional capacity before. Um, okay. and it was just really, I was super grateful with how they, they brought what they had to the table, but they also opened up the space for me as someone who is new to playing with a full band to, experiment they were constantly saying like do you like this do you not like this if you don't like it and you don't know what you want it's okay we'll just try something else they really really opened it up for it to be like an experience directed by me oh wow yeah which is super special now you said like oh no go ahead ian oh thank you john so you said that this uh, album was two years in the making or you you started working on it around two years ago (laughs) what do you think was the inspiration for you to, to decide to like, you know, try to go forward and make an album? And do you feel like, you know, things have sort of been picking up recently or was it sort of a steady process all the way through? Um, I think that things definitely picked up recently. One of the challenges with using, um, the Lux Deluxe studio is that they record there. And if they're not recording there, it's usually because they have shows or they're touring. So if they weren't there, I couldn't record because Jacob was the one recording me. Um, so the days of recording were few and far between. Um, <clears throat> but I had just been at home. I had been performing my own music out for about a year and was kind of going between this sort of restaurant circuit, which is fun and is like a steady little bit of money. Um but I, people were always asking me, do you have a CD? Do you have a CD? And I started making these demos and was really, really daunted at the idea of doing full recordings, but just felt like it was the next step. It was sort of the logical next step. Um, mm-hmm. And it was hard to book shows when I had no recordings. I was like, Hello, please book me at your venue. I swear I'm good. (laughs) I can sing in tune and I play guitar and I wrote songs and I want you to hear them. You know, so it's super nice to just have something concrete that I can show to somebody and say, this is what I sound like. Mm -hmm. Nice. Uh, So for the recording process, um, did you sort of have in mind like what instruments you were going to use for each song? And what they were all going to, like, what all the parts were going to be? Or did you just sort of start with you and a guitar and then sort of, like, listen back to it and uh, feel like, oh, okay, this song could use a little extra. Like, I should add this instrument here. Hmm. Um, For the most part, I started just with me and the guitar. Any of the songs that have strings, I did write and record those parts on my phone as demos beforehand. So those were a little more arranged. However, I only play cello as far as strings go. Um, And so my plan had been to have my sisters who play violin and viola to come play. Um, But just timing wise, because the days we could record were so random, it didn't end up working out. And so all of the string tracks on the album are me playing cello, which was unexpected. <laughs> and I have tendonitis, haven't played cello in a long time. And so it was sort of a weirdly sad experience to be playing because my muscle memory for intonation had sort of disappeared. 
And it felt sort of like embarrassing and weird to be playing and not be able to play in tune very reliably. Hmm. Um, but it was also a good experience because it made me connect back with my instrument. Um, for other stuff, sometimes it was just what was in the space. I was never really like, oh, I want a glockenspiel here or I want this or that. It was sort of more like, oh, the band has a Wurlitzer here in the basement or like, oh, this synth can make this sound or what if I try scratching on this microphone instead of putting any other percussion on it? Um, so I think, I don't remember what number track it is, but the song Million, all the percussion on that is me scratching the top of a microphone. (laughs) Oh, really? Yeah. It was all just what was whatever, what was around. Um, and the actual, yeah. Yeah, I'm listening to it now. Mm -hmm. Um, oh, actually, can we, can can we get some permission to, to put this in the recording, Kamaya? Yeah, sure. Oh, that's, that's that's a cool effect. Yeah, I, I definitely like when I had been listening to it, listening to it earlier. I definitely noticed that it had a sort of unusual percussion, I guess. But I or I, I didn't like fully. I didn't really think about it so much. It just sort of was there. But well, that's cool that it's just scratching a microphone. Yeah, and the, well the original demo uh, was me scribbling the rhythm onto a piece of paper with a pen. So oh, I really? just like had a pen and I was like. <laughs> one of my notebooks like next to the lyrics to the song is just this completely tattered destroyed page Mm -hmm. nice so music Um, comes from everywhere i guess mm -hmm. (laughs) you you also mentioned uh a wurlitzer what's that um it's a type of keyboard it has really it's an electric keyboard like you can plug it in and play it um okay but unlike just a synth, it has physical parts in it, like hmm. a piano does. Um, okay. Yeah. So it has All like right. a special sound to it. And one thing I think that's sort of unique about it is that um, you get the overtones from every note very, very clearly. Hmm. So you get like a strange sort of spooky interval above it. I can't remember what song has it. Oh, Baby Isn't Home has a backwards Wurlitzer track. So we played it and then reversed it. So it is sort of like an otherworldly sort of unsettling sound that has sort of this spooky overtone over it. I love scary stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Would you describe this as a scary album in general? (laughs) I think I've been asked a lot to describe this album recently, and I would say that it has, I would say that it's dark. I would say, however, that it is ultimately humorous and irreverent. Um, I wrote the whole thing when a lot of people in my family 
were super, super sick. And it was unclear if all of them would stay alive. Um, mm, oh. And it was, like, potentially a hereditary illness, and I basically developed this strange mania where I was, like, frequently researching it and, like, every possible anything that happened to my body, I was like, oh, my God, I'm dying now. And I, like, made all these plans for the end of my life. And at the same time, it was like... I was having to take care of people older than me who used to take care of me, but they didn't want that, but they needed it. And so the whole album is basically an exploration of like, what the heck happens when the status quo inside of a family and a caretaking system is completely upended and nobody is ready for it. And then you survive somehow. Wow. Oh man. (laughs) I did not pick up on that. Uh, That's very deep though. Uh, you shouldn't take that personally. Um, I think I'm pretty bad at picking up on what songs are about. Um, I think it was only within the past year that I realized Partition is about sex. Oh my god, John. <laughs> Come on. Come on. <laughs> well, once I noticed, I uh, was like, well, how could I never not, how did I not notice this before? It's so obvious, but <laughs> I guess I feel like the, the lyrics oftentimes will just kind of like just pass straight through my head i don't really absorb them no i get that yeah i would say though most of the songs that i have have a family theme um and that's why i named it breastfed the album because i have this weird distinct memory of i i nursed for comfort until i was about three and a half but not for sustenance and i do remember my sister being born when i was two and a half And I can distinctly remember this insane feeling of jealousy standing at the edge of my mother's bed watching her nurse in my place. Um, And being close to my mom's heart, because I could hear her heart when I was nursing, or put my hand on her heart. Um, And then, so that kind of moment encapsulates this strange shift of like weird betrayal, and suddenly you don't have what you feel... (laughs) is your most comfortable, safe place and things are weird and everyone's growing and it hurts and all of that. So, wow. <laughs> that was sort of, I think really I, cool. if we're, if we're a little off guard, guys, because we're, it, it sounds like you're actually, you know, sort of someone who could be interviewed about this. <laughs> like you've, got, you've got, you've got these good responses and I'm, I'm just, I, I just feel, uh, you know, outmatched here. <laughs> I, I have to agree with Ian. Like, I, I want, I'm going to call up Terry Gross now and see if I can't get her on the call. <laughs> yeah, I feel like you uh, uh, you should yeah have professionals doing this instead of just us. Huh? Uh, you know, in our previous two episodes, we just talked to people uh, that each of us works with about. Well, sometimes we talked at them, John. <laughs> yeah, that's true too. You guys are true professionals of my heart. Oh, thank, thank you, Kamaya. Yeah, you're welcome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so do you think uh, on your next album you'll have a song about me? Um, let's say there's a... It depends on how much money you can send to my PayPal. Between mm. now and then. All right. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. We, we can talk numbers later. Yeah, definitely over like 5,000. <laughs> <laughs> Did not know albums were such an expensive prospect. Holy crap, my dudes! If I did not pay for all the parts of making this album, I didn't pay for so many things. 
like so many people did me favors in terms of design and editing and mixing and recording. However, if I had been paying to make this album at the pretty standard studio time rate in this area, which is around, you know, it's an expensive rate, but it is worth it. I easily, easily could have spent $5,500 just on getting the CDs made, not even paying the musicians who played with me in the show and the photo and video people who came to the show. Like, easily, this is a $6,000 project. Wow. Oh, man. Well, luckily, Spotify gives, I think, like, a dollar per listen. Um, so... <laughs> Pardon me. <laughs> now, one thing I want to talk about uh, in regards to the album is the cover of it. Because I think, I don't know, I think it's a very striking album cover. Thank you. Uh, oh, if you yeah, I agree. Tell us a little bit about, you know, the creation of it, yeah. the conception of it. Sure. And where did you find this model? Yeah. <laughs> I found her on this modeling agency. She's actually, like, okay. really popular. I actually did shoot oh, wow. a, a stroller ad last week. Um, no, no. I was playing the mom. I did it with a baby model. <laughs> it was well, fun. A baby model? Now, I'm going I'm to put aside my previous question just for a moment, and I want to talk to you about what a baby model is. It's a baby that's also a model. It's a baby that gets paid 50 bucks an hour to just get carried around by me. So freaking cute. In this particular case, it was a humongous 17-pound baby. That made my oh, arm very tired. <laughs> oh, but now, are some babies just cuter than others? or This baby, he was cute, but he was also just, like, quiet. Like, he didn't cry. Okay. He, You know what I mean? He was happy just sitting down or being held, and that was that. You didn't have to entertain oh, okay. him that much. Um, okay. Yeah. Um, but about the cover, my original album cover idea was actually done by... Our mutual friend, Jillian Swan, um, for winter break when we were in ninth grade, she took this series of photos of me on this blue sheet at her house where I covered my legs in Vaseline and she stuck, (laughs) (laughs) she stuck flower petals to my legs. And then we did this couple of photos and... I don't remember it because I had swine flu at the time and I was having hallucinations. <laughs> um, so the, that photo was my original cover. And then I was thinking, okay, what should I put on the actual CD itself? And I don't know why I had this stupid idea. But I was like, I should get someone to take a photo of me in a circle to go around the whole of the CD. I don't... Okay. However, no one's body can really do that. (laughs) Um, But I was going to Boston to see my friend Ajin and his girlfriend Catherine. And she is a fashion blogger um, and he takes a lot of her photos. And I was like, oh, it'd be so fun if they could just take this picture for me. And I thought up this outfit and Jillian still had the same blue sheet. From 11 years ago. Oh, so she gave so this it is to the me. OG blue sheet. It is. So she gave me the sheet and I took it over to their house and I didn't, I was not prepared for their level of professionalism. Like they brought out like lighting umbrellas and like had step stools to stand on. And so, um, Catherine styled 
the picture, she was like moving the flower petals like one by one to put them all in the perfect places that I totally couldn't have oh, done. Wow. Um, and Ajahn took the photo standing like all the way above me on a step stool. And the idea was like, oh, I'll curl my body into a circle to go on the CD. And that was abandoned in maybe like one and a half seconds. I can't, <laughs> I can't bend. <laughs> um, yeah, so I had envisioned the color palette of the bright yellow, the bright blue with the flowers, because I love, love contrasting colors like that. Um, And they just totally made crazy, crazy magic happen. Because as a couple, they are powerful and magical. And individually, they're powerful, magical. um, And just (laughs) totally envisioned this perfect cover photo. Wow. Yeah, it really is very striking. They did, a, they did a good job. Thank you. You did a good job lying on that sheet, Kamaya. Oh, I'm very proud of you. Thank you, thank you. Both in ninth grade and today. <laughs> thank you. It's funny. I found the whole folder of all the photos from ninth grade, and there are some that do include my face. And, like, I'm so sick. Like, I'm <laughs> pale and, like, sweaty, and my eyes just look so dead. And I do remember Jillian telling me, like, your eyes look dead. And I remember that that hurt my feelings, but also I couldn't do anything about it. <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> yeah, she was right. It's terrible. <laughs> dead, but not dead on the inside. That's true. Back I mean, then. when I had swine flu, yes, I was dead on the inside. Oh. Yeah, it was it was bad. John, I actually yeah. came to see your play that weekend when I had swine flu, the Hadley play for Hadley's oh. like hundred and fiftieth anniversary or whatever. But I thought I thought that was junior year of high school. Little do you know. I don't actually remember when that was. It wasn't freshman year, but it might have been sophomore. I'm not sure. Oh, yeah, Ian was in that play, too, but he wasn't the star. Oh, Ian, you were in that play. I'm sorry. I I just know you lived in Belchertown. I'm sorry. (laughs) You were great. You were great. Wow. I've never been more hurt in my life. Um, It was a good play, though. It was the only thing I really, really remember from that weekend, because we also went back to the house and watched Monty Python, and I... I was so delirious at that point, I couldn't understand anything they said. So people are always like, Monty Python, the Holy Grail, so funny. And I'm like, well, that brings me back to the greatest period of disorientation and terror I've ever experienced. <laughs> well, that's true for a lot of people's experience with Monty Python. I think that's why, that's why I have such strong emotions about them. Yeah, that's why it really sticks with you. Is you have to wait until you feel like you're about to die, and then you can watch Monty Python. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess I so did it true. right. Actually, I feel like The Life of Brian might be a good movie to watch if you feel like you're dying. Well, John, what about The Meaning of Life? That one is like the Oh, no, I think that's the one that I'm thinking of. Yeah, Life of Brian yeah, is about I, Jesus. My plan is to never oh, wait, get that uh, sick again, though. I don't remember which is which. They kind of blurred together in my mind. Oh, they're very different movies, John. Okay, maybe <laughs> I just haven't seen one of them, and I don't remember the name of the one that I have seen. It's quite popular. So Life of Brian, and again, come on, sorry to put you aside, but Life of <laughs> no. Brian is about, it's a, a parody of the Life of Jesus. Oh, um, okay. this person Brian. I know. Meaning about him. of Life is not really a narrative movie. Um, it's, it's it's more similar to just like your your sort of run of the mill um, Monty Python like sketch show. Okay. Although there are I don't like, think I've seen a series of, life, of then. Oh, it's um it's life probably very good though their worst reviewed movie. <laughs> uh, I think it's pretty good. And it's got it's got some very good bits in it, and I think overall. It's a movie that left a, a mark on me psychologically. In a bad way, um, or 
Well, in a way, you know, it's like it's tough to tell. Well, I'll, in like thirty years, maybe I'll know. We'll see how my life goes. Right. Yeah, your children are just like crying all the time, and I'm like, "Sweetie, what's wrong?" And he's like, "Daddy showed me that movie." It's just how it's gonna be. I can't wait. And his eyes were dead. Wait, oh, can we just agree right now? Can we make a pact on the air that I can be your children's grandmother? Wait, no, godmother. <laughs> Uh, I don't, I don't know, because I, I, I'm not sure that you're really a, a woman of God, Kimaya. Oh my God! <laughs> Whoa, offensive. I don't know that you're the well, most no, religious hold on, person. John, it shouldn't be a woman of God. It should be a woman who is God, right? <laughs> okay, we were just literally talking a couple days ago about how it could potentially be God, because if, in my opinion, the way that someone <laughs> could prove that they're God is that they shift everything in the universe to the left one inch. Uh, <laughs> That certainly is a supposition. And (laughs) as far as I can tell, I've done it multiple times. Well, you wouldn't know because you would be moving relative to everything else. Yeah, but so then how do you know? How do you know I didn't move everything to the left? John, have you seen your own self? No offense, but. (laughs) Uh, She's got a point there, John. Oh, that was mean. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But I mean it. That's true. Wow, okay. Well, that's why they say (laughs) it's mean. Okay, anyways, can I be the godmother? Can I? I'll have to see what my wife thinks. Well, actually, uh, Kamaya, I don't believe in your outdated concept of God. Because I'm rational. (laughs) Can I be your children's stepmother? Yes. (laughs) Okay. I don't know how that works. I think you'll have to get divorced for that to happen. Yeah. Well, you know. You know. I don't know if you're okay with that or well, not. The future you is have a mother and a stepmother. <laughs> Are you vaping? No, you're not vaping. Me? I'm sorry. No. no. I'm, I'm drinking. John, I'm sorry. I'm drinking I, a smoothie. I looked at it, I looked at the little video I have of you and you appeared, <laughs> you were you had your lips pursed around something sort of narrow and it I thought it was a vape, John. I'm sorry. Uh-huh. I jumped the gun there. I would like I'd like to read a written apology which I prepared for this moment. Honestly you asked that question in like the most like condescending like tragic <laughs> voice I've ever heard you use. Are you vaping? Well, I just got super into vaping the other day. <laughs> um <laughs> that was a smoothie. <laughs> Homemade smoothie. Mm. Um, you know, I'm, I'm pretty good at making my own smoothies. Congrats. Uh, yeah. Now, John, in this, in this podcast, we like to sort of extract practical advice for our listeners. Um, yeah. Would you like to tell people how you made your smoothie? I, I would, actually, because I, I was talking to some people recently who were very impressed by the fact that I make my own smoothies what? on a regular basis. <laughs> which I thought was preposterous. You're a freaking blender. they're so easy to make. Yes. But yeah, so the... the 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 biggest thing you need is a blender. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, then once you have a blender, um, you put a liquid in there. Um, I usually go with uh, some com- or you know with some combination of water and maybe orange juice if I'm making a fruit smoothie. Okay. And then um, I just go to the grocery store and I buy <laughs> a bag that. of frozen mixed fruit. Uh, well, but the water's and... sitting in the blender the whole time. It's going to rust. <laughs> Uh, so then I come back to my rotted water, uh, <laughs> and I dump that out, and I replace it with new fresh water, and then I pour in, uh, you know, just some, some mixed frozen fruit from the grocery store, 
I don't buy the like specifically smoothie ones because those have like one big bag and then they've got like individual little bags inside. And that's just too much trash. Yeah. So I just get a, a bag of just mixed fruit, stick that in the blender, and then, you know, I, you know, I'm, I'm trying to bulk up. So right, John, put in you, some do protein. You put the whole as well. bag and... or do you just take the fruit out of the bag? <laughs> I put in, um, you know, what seems... Oh, so I, I do pour the fruit out of the bag. Okay. Uh, and I, you know, I, I fill the blender until it's, you know, a little less than full. Um, or, you know, some, somewhere between, like, halfway full and three quarters of the way full. Okay. And uh, then, you, you know, you blend it up mm-hmm. and uh, you're all set. It's, you know, it's a pretty simple process, it turns I out. I always make mine with yogurt, too. Uh, I'll put yogurt in sometimes. Usually not the, like, fruitier ones, but if I'm doing one of my, like peanut butter and chocolate and banana ones then i'll put uh, some yogurt in there oh interesting Hmm. i would give a practical tip to your listeners and say try to avoid frozen strawberries because they're freaking huge and hard to cut up and replace them <laughs> instead with frozen grapes oh well, they have a totally different flavor profile yes but <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> I'm gonna. I'm gonna have to. I'm sorry, Kamai. You know, I like to be, as everyone, as our longtime listeners know, I'm nothing but accommodating. Um, but I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to come out against that tip. I don't think you can substitute frozen grapes for strawberries. Okay, I did choke on a frozen strawberry as a child, so perhaps I do have something against them. You were talking about how it's difficult to cut them up, but you don't have to cut them up. You have a blender. I'm just trying to get them the banned. chops them up. <laughs> <laughs> this is a personal... You know, this is not... Our podcast is not the place to launch your vendettas against strawberries. Okay, you should have told you me know, that. I feel like if there's anywhere to, like, launch your petty... Uh, <gasps> your petty movements, this is the place to do it. Yeah, you're not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for your support, although I do object to it being called petty. I almost died. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I I guess, you know, we've already had a a pretty controversial uh, discussion on the last two episodes. Um, You know, on the first episode, we had someone who was very anti-Diet Coke. Mm -hmm. The second episode, we had someone who was very pro-Diet Coke. I feel like neither of those people, I feel like neither of those stances are controversial. Am I wrong? Well, well apparently they are. Well, I thought right? I didn't think the first stance was controversial because Diet Coke is terrible. But mm. uh, apparently, our second guest had issue with that. Uh-huh. Um, What's your take so on I Diet Coke, Maya? Mine? I don't know if I've ever had it. I've had regular Coke. I don't know Diet Coke. I'm gonna go to a bar right after this and just buy a cup of Diet Coke. <laughs> <laughs> Bartender, <laughs> one cup of Diet Coke. Oh, do you want alcohol in that? No, sir. I don't. <laughs> also, I'm not going to tip you. <laughs> oh, wow. Wow. So, I'm just kidding. I always tip you guys. I'm a bartender, and I live right behind a bar. No, I I, I believe that you tip, Kamaya, but this character you were playing, this fancy lady who goes to the bar and only gets Diet Coke. Apparently she does not tip. That's true. <laughs> I met a lady who does not tip at the bar that's in front of my house, and she's um Irish. She's very racist, very. Mm-hmm. Um, oh. Yeah, that's all I have to say. She doesn't tip. Well, it she sounds doesn't like tip. it was probably a fun uh, conversation. It was. I think her name is Colleen. Oh, so I want to give a shout out to all those racist <laughs> Irish Colleens. Change who aren't your freaking ways. <laughs> Do bartenders, so with, with servers, servers don't get paid minimum wage, right? They get paid sub minimum wage. 
Yes, um, like two twenty an hour or something. Yeah. Do bartenders get paid minimum wage? Uh, they don't have to. Wait, what? Yes, they do. Or they don't. I'm not sure. I don't know. Why did I try to answer this question? Moving on. I thought you worked as a bartender for I, a while. I still do, and I get paid above <laughs> minimum wage, for which I am oh, grateful, yeah. but I can't answer. <laughs> well, I hope, you then, I hope you then return all the tips that people try to give you. Otherwise, it's stealing. Well, no. I was always under the impression that bartenders were tipped better than uh, other types of servers generally, but maybe not. Uh, I, I mean, I think so. Like, I don't know. It kind of it's weird. It's a weird thing. Mm-hmm. Complicate. Mm-hmm. What are your recommendations for our listeners? Because actually, I think one of our listeners does own a bar. <gasps> Congrats, <laughs> dude! So, what are your recommendations uh, for uh, getting extra tips at the bar? My recommendations for getting extra tips are make sure the staff is really well trained on how to make recommendations because I work at a craft beer place. So a lot of times people come in and be like, I only like Coors Light. And the person who came with them will be like, get her a water. Oh, (laughs) 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 and it's really nice to be able to make a good recommendation and be like, oh, you'd probably like this Belgian farmhouse ale or whatever. Um, to make good recommendations. That's great. The other thing, this is not to get good tips. This is just a bar tip in general, is if you are a male bar owner and you have female employees, you should give them free reign to cut people off for sexual harassment. Because I've sometimes cut off sober people who are just being disgusting wieners. And (laughs) my boss has my back all the time in that. And that's great. Nice. Yeah. Uh I mean, not nice that you have to do that on a regular basis, but at least your boss has your back. Yeah, it's super nice. It's super nice to be like, oh, I could just tell this person I want them to leave because they asked me if I've ever seen my dad's penis. What? Yeah, it happened. <laughs> Where does that conversation go in their heads? It goes, okay, the conversation literally went like this. Um... So, do I still have a tab open? Me. Yeah, you do. Um, do you want to get anything else? Um, have you ever seen your dad's dick? Me. It's time for you to leave. Gives him back his card. Sends him away. And then he was like, I'm joking! And I was like, how is that a joke in any world? I don't, yeah, I I just don't understand, like, what... Yeah, it's a it's a puzzler. That's a puzzler. I, I, yeah, there's like definitely, you know, comments people make where I I think that you shouldn't have done that. That was a bad idea. But <laughs> I can sort of see like what their goal was, maybe or what how they had that idea. That one's a real that one's a real puzzle. Mm-hmm. Challenging, challenging. <laughs> like, but what, what? So, what do you think? Are what do you think? How do you think they thought the conversation? Would I don't go? know. It only went in a creepier direction because. After I sent him out, it got worse. After I sent him out, his wife came up to me and was like, "I'm so sorry. He wasn't drunk. I swear. I just made him take a shower with his daughter last week." And I was like, "I don't want to call CPS. I'm a teacher. I'm a mandated reporter. Please leave right now." Oh, this this makes more sense actually. Mm, So he was like, maybe he was was, having an existential crisis. Yeah. So this wasn't some guy who was like trying to hit on you in a weird way this was some guy yeah who like yeah okay he he had a experience at home that he 
wasn't entirely comfortable with, and he's trying to figure it out. Yes, there are better ways to ask but for in the help. Worst, yeah, in the worst possible way. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> certainly. <laughs> Yeah. That's, a, that's another practical tip for our listeners. Um, if you're <laughs> dealing with this situation, ask the internet, you know? That's what Yahoo Answers is there for. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good tip either, Ian. Well, here's the thing, John. It couldn't be worse. It's a bet, it's a step in the right direction. That's I true. Think. That's, that's fair. Okay. That's, I, yeah. Yahoo Answers is better than just going up to some bartender. Yeah. Just the first bartender you see. Excuse me, ma'am. Have you ever taken a shower with your father? Oh, okay. Hmm. <laughs> uh, the answer for me is yes. Oh. Yeah, whether or not you've ever taken a, a shower with your father is also a more reasonable question. <laughs> Although it amounts like... to much the same thing, doesn't it? Like It does, but it's like it's more reasonable like I mean I I feel like yeah. being like when you were a child did you ever take a Don't children no, take it's... showers with their parents sometimes? Like yeah, yeah, I think, so. that's I think that's normal. pretty common. Yeah. Okay, so, I, so Kamaya, we're back in the bartending scene. I go up to you. I'm a little intoxicated. I'm not me. I'm, I'm some random person. Okay. And I say, actually, I'm sorry, this is, this is a kind of weird question, but when you were a kid, did you ever take a shower with your parents? I'd be like, yeah. Okay, so, so that would not be a cutoff situation. It was great because my mom would give me a head massage when she was washing my hair because I was like three mm. feet tall. <laughs> that ruled back when you were six months old <laughs> I was a very tall baby oh yeah baby. it was a terrible medical problem yeah. please do not laugh she was really skinny though like I mean she was I still did ways. weigh seven pounds like a normal baby yeah yeah. she was very elongated <laughs> how much are babies supposed to weigh because I never know I'd say it's between seven and nine and a half pounds I think when somebody has a ten pound birth, baby right? that's sort of a thing where you go like oh she had a ten pound baby yeah, yeah I, I, my understanding is that ten pound babies are large Jacob um, was a ten pound baby my own spouse Oh my! Goodness. but he also was wow, gestated for a full month beyond where he should have been <laughs> Oh my Ugh. man. Man, one of those slow pokes. He just loves just... his mom. He loves her. Yeah. <laughs> Aww. Very sweet. Just dragging his feet. <laughs> didn't want to didn't wanna come out into the world yet. Yeah, the world mm-hmm. is... Well, it freaking snowed today, and it's April 10th, so the world is terrible. <laughs> Joke's on you. In Michigan, it was a pretty warm, pleasant day. Oh my Although God. it did snow yesterday. Ugh. Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to get up to 70 this week, though. So that's the, I don't know if that's, that's true in Massachusetts. F- ten. <laughs> John, edit that in so it's ten minutes into the podcast. <laughs> Sorry, I, I I kind of actually missed what you said. Uh, um, I, I said it's going to be 70 degrees later this week, which is a true fact. That's not a joke. Um, at least around here. I don't know about Massachusetts. Um, okay. Presumably it will also, because I think we have fairly similar weather. And then I ask that you edit that comment in at 10 because I, I said that that was and that was the weather at 10 oh okay yeah were... that was the part that i missed was oh, the okay. weather at 10 because <laughs> like, I, I heard all the rest of it okay well john i also want you i want you to edit this so that it sounds funny <laughs> okay i'll do it uh okay. i'll i'll make you sound funny <laughs> you see come on this is uh this is the sort of mix master that i get to work with i love it on a regular basis yeah i, I never really do any of the things that ian tells me to he's very pro well, <laughs> <laughs> just what a pro does now so so now that you've put out an album Kamaya, you know we've got to ask you what's next 
What's next? Um, I'm doing a couple of shows around home that I'm really excited about. The next show I have is on the 21st, and it's going to be a show run by my friend Emma Ayers. Um, it's all women-fronted bands, so that's a cool thing. Um, I'm already thinking about the next album. <laughs> oh, nice. My next recording experience I would really like to do live, because this experience was very solitary jacob was there um obviously but it was a very solitary experience one single track at a time and i love the idea of being in a studio mm. with the whole band and just everybody playing and then the song is done and like maybe we do it two more times um so that's my hope so we'll be able to cool. sort of lock down some songs for that over the next six to eight months nice yeah that seems like a I assume, like, writing the songs, not yeah. the whole recording process. Oh, no. But how how long, I guess, did it take you to sort of write all of the songs through your current album? The six to eight months faster than that? or um, Yeah, six to eight months is a lot faster than that. I probably spent a year okay. and a half writing. I recorded the first oh, wow. few songs before I had written the last few songs. Oh, okay. um, I only learned to play guitar about two years ago. Like, right around when we started recording, I had been playing guitar for about six months. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, hopefully the nice. next step, step of the process will have a different, different flow to it. Cool. Uh, there is one more song on, um, on your album that I, I wanted to ask you about, yeah. uh, and that is, uh, Je T'aime. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, uh, now we took French together in high school. We, we did. <laughs> uh, I don't know how to say and that. I do not remember enough of my French to understand this song. Uh, so, do you just have a much better memory than me? Have, did you have to brush up on your French uh, so to write this? For this song, I what I wanted to write was I loved the simplicity and the straightforwardness of a lot of the Beatles love songs. How they just say like okay. "I love you." <laughs> you know what I mean? It's not like yeah, very poetic. Yeah. 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 Yes, exactly. So I wrote this song, um, and then I sent the English lyrics to my friend Sophie, who spent a lot of time living in France, um, and she helped me translate it, and then I cut down her translation and modified it a little bit to fit the meter of the song. So, like, the first verse, people can listen to the French version, but the first verse in English was basically just like, I knew I loved you even before I knew darling that you were feeling blue each time we said goodbye and i love you much more than i ever knew like it's not very poetic it's not very artful um and my mom was like you should turn this into a french song (laughs) and i was like ah yes it is very boring right now so we think that it needs us to be in french (laughs) and that's what i did (laughs) all right nice (laughs) yeah Je sais que je t'aimais avant que je savais Chérie que t'étais déprimé Chaque fois qu'on dit adieu Et je t'aime plus que j'ai pensé possible it sounds good. Thank I you. like again, I I'm not an expert here, but your accent sounds good to me. Oh, jeez, I hope. Uh, like when you're singing it. 
Have you uh, gotten any feedback from anyone who, like, speaks French well? My chérie Sophie, elle a dit que she said that it's good. Okay. <laughs> Actually, my other friend who also is fluent in French and grew up in France is also named Sophie. I am truly yeah. only realizing that at this exact moment. Wow. <laughs> mm-hmm. So Sophie, who grew up in um, France, uh, if you thought the previous conversation was regarding you, stop. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I can't believe it. Track together. Everyone I know. Sophie, Sophie. There you go. From that, I can determine that everyone from France is named Sophie. Mm-hmm. Wow. <laughs> I didn't know that. That's a, that's a surprising fact to learn. Yeah, anthropology, An amazing man. fact. Look, <laughs> <laughs> well, come on. You should, give us a, uh, you should give us a live performance of the whole album right here, right now. <laughs> oh, that would be <laughs> terrible. <laughs> um, but if you come to Massachusetts, I'll play it for you. Okay. Sounds like a deal. <laughs> oh, I really want to do another band show. It's super, super fun. It's very, it's like a lot of inconvenient practicing because you have to coordinate the schedules of many people instead of just my own wonderful self. Um, <laughs> but it's so fun. Like, it's a lot of work to build up the momentum of a song and then sustain the momentum of a whole set by yourself. And sometimes, like, if it doesn't go super well... I don't usually do this, but at times I will take it sort of personally. And as someone who's also a teacher and is constantly tested on a personal level by several demonic children, um, (laughs) like sometimes I'm just not up for carrying a set by myself. And it feels really, really good to have a lot of people behind me who are also conscious of the arc of the whole set in each song. It's like really helpful, (laughs) extends my stamina a lot. Now, come on. Do you want to give us all a musical recommendation? Oh yeah, I'd love to. Um, actually, I have a couple. One, a couple. Yeah, Ooh. one of my musical recommendations would be. Um, whoops, I forgot the first one. Anyways, here's the second go. one. <laughs> Couldn't have been that good. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would really, really recommend that people listen to Leanne Lahavas. Um, she is a really, has a really wonderful voice, um, and is a great interpreter of songs, but also she is a killer guitar player. Um, and I think it's really hard for women of color and women in general to find super awesome guitar, uh, role models. Um, Mm. and I think that she's such a great player i would say that her studio recordings don't showcase her guitar playing as much as her live recordings do um but she's such a killer player um and i would say that you should listen to her her album blood is great and if you look it up i think maybe on spotify or something there are also some live versions of some of the songs where you can really hear her playing yeah cool she's so good like, I honestly got to a point where I was trying to write songs, and there's this one song of hers called Midnight that that I love so much, and I can't, I can't figure out what it is about the song that captivates me so much, um, but 
I had maybe three or four months where I would sit down and I'd want to write a song and I would just start playing her song. And I got like angry eventually. I was like, Leanne, leave me alone. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm still, I mean, today I'm, I'm able to write more songs now, but I'm still totally in awe of that song. And I've just sort of resigned myself to knowing that my time for that level of genius will come later. Maybe. Mm-hmm. I hope. Someday you can surpass her. <laughs> yeah, like the Mahavas, you're on watch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Are you concerned that your new um your newfound musical success will ruin your marriage? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. I think that I am potentially more charismatic than my husband. But he is also much more musically successful than I am at the moment. He's been at it for about 10 years. His band rules. Uh, well, let's look up Lux Deluxe on Spotify. We'll see. We'll see how they're doing. Oh, they got they got some listens. Yeah. yeah they're a good band. I was, and they're good people. Um, I was listening to a couple of their songs today, actually. Uh, largely in preparation for this interview. Um, or not so much in preparation for it, it's just I was listening to your music and it reminded me of theirs. Mm-hmm. Not because it's all, at all similar, but just because you're married to one of them. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, well, but yeah, they, they they are very good. Yeah, well, I hope it doesn't ruin my marriage, but I also say to some people, and it will never reveal how true or not this is, but I did marry Jacob so that I could get close to his band so that they could play for me for my shows. <laughs> oh, so this oh. so this album that you have, that is sort of the... That is the fruits of your marriage. Yes, it's all a strategic move. You could call it our child. Mm-hmm. Oh, nice. <laughs> I, think that, like was, I think that was a smart marriages. move. Yeah. Strategic. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm super, super grateful to have, like, Jacob's experience and expertise and just have him as a sounding board because it's really helpful to be like, hey, what should I do next to somebody who has done it next? As opposed to just sort of asking a rando on the street, like, what do you think my next move should be? <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, so it's super nice to have his perspective. Um, you know, check back with me in a year to see if we're still together. Well, after you've gotten that Grammy. <laughs> uh, how do you get our, our Grammys? Some Grammys are a music thing, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. I think it's short for get... gramophone. But like, do you do you have to nominate your own album for a Grammy, or I, th- I think it has to be put out by a major record label. I don't. Know. I don't... Did, did you like? Do you have a record label, Kamaya? Oh, or... babes, no. What's really <laughs> sweet is these old ladies. There is a label in this town called Signature Sounds, and these old ladies I met, I they asked me about my album, and they were like, "Oh, it's on Signature Sounds," and I was like, "No, I just put it out independently." And they're like, "But you live in Northampton; it's on Signature Sounds." And I was like, "No, <laughs> but what if? <laughs> <laughs> what if indeed?" It was just very sweet. They were like, "It's in your town, so you go to the local one, and then you just put out your music on it." Well, why did you go independent? Why not try to hook up with a label? Um, I honestly am, have no idea what any part of that process and relationship involves whatsoever. Mm. And because I love instant gratification, even though this was far from instant, I just, I wanted it to be born. 
you know? Mm. Like, I, since we started recording, I've come up with so many other songs and so many other ideas and so many other things that I wanted to do that I don't feel like this, like, I love this album so dearly. It means a lot to me, but I don't feel like it is my everything. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, I think in a year I can start recording the next thing and it's going to be awesome. So you think about it here first, folks. Uh, <laughs> don't buy this album. The next one will be better. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> buy this one. Put it on your Spotify playlist. Like it on Spotify, etc. Oh, man. Oh, man. <laughs> but also look forward to the second yes, one. Yes, but also look forward to the second one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which will be Do you think... not as good. Hey! <laughs> what? No, but just... well, I'm trying to get the story straight here, Kamaya. I <laughs> don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have a favorite song on this album? Um, or are they all too precious? I would say my favorite song on this album for a long time was Phobia Number no. 9, which I wrote with my writing partner, Pat- Patrick Ross. Um, oh, I like that one a lot. That one's really Yeah, cool. he and I wrote a couple of plays together. I did some scoring for his plays and some songs for his plays. Um, and he wrote the most of the lyrics for this one. Okay. And I just love it because when I perform it live, it's the moment when the audience gets super quiet and is super connected. And I feel like we travel throughout the arc of the story together. Um, but since mm-hmm. playing with the full band and with my sisters, they played strings and they sang in my album release show. Um, I am a loving Sweet Pea. Like, Sister, Sister, Sister oh, okay. harmonies are super special. It was awesome to do all the backing vocals and everything with my sisters. Um, that felt super, super good. And then I also loved doing Baby Isn't Home with the band. Um, my brother-in-law, Caleb, is so great at guitar. Um, and the three of them, Jacob and Jake and Caleb, were all able to really just build this momentum that I had almost given up on. Like, I had given up on ever achieving that kind of momentum in the song live. You know, because it's captured oh, okay. in the recording, but when I'm just playing a solo set, I can't bring it to that, like, amazing peak that it reaches in the recording. And it was so magical. I felt like I was almost being carried, like, you know, I felt like I was being carried to the peak by all of them because they work together so, so well and just have such good intuition on how a song should be sort of formed. So when you look back on the musical beach and you only see uh, one pair of footprints. Because <laughs> <laughs> all three of them were carrying you. Yes. Also only have one pair of feet. Wouldn't, yeah. Wouldn't there have been three pairs of footprints? Well, maybe one of them is carrying the other who's carrying the other who's carrying Kamaya. Oh, I okay, love being maybe. carried. I love it. So that would be a great day for me. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever been carried you by someone that, who's uh, being carried? For your next show is to like, try to get all the musicians who are playing with you to carry you out onto stage. That's true. Oh. That's a good idea. Because mm-hmm. I mean, it's important to remember that you are the star and you need to make sure everyone knows that. Like, you know, they're there to make you look I good. I gotta make sure mm-hmm. my feet don't touch civilian ground. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Roll out the red carpet. You know what? Why not stand on someone? Call up someone from the audience, make their night. <laughs> oh my god, you guys... <laughs> You know, when you see me at a stadium, this is what I'm going to be doing. People are going to be like, it's weird. Kimaya Diggs always stands on a human body. (laughs) (laughs) And my biggest fans, only my biggest fans will be like, it dates back to April 10th, 2018. This podcast she was on. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I don't think they'll be saying this podcast she was on. They'll be like, oh, you know. 
who are you? The most popular podcast in the world. That's true. Because, uh, you know, by that point, we'll be really huge, too. Because, you know, true. we were the first people to interview Kamaya Diggs after her uh, po- her album That's release. That's true. I'll carry you with Fuck me. Fuck you, Ira Glass. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, hey. You heard it here first. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. I'm just... Oh, that reminds me. Um, I had a question yeah. for you, Kamaya. Uh, have you ever listened to AM radio? Yeah, every day. Jacob makes fun of me for it. Wait, really? AM640. Oh, boy, okay. All right, so what is that experience like? Because I recently was looking at a radio I have, mm-hmm. realizing that it, it has an AM feature, and just thinking, I've never listened to AM radio. I don't know what it it's is. It's definitely very lo-fi. It is basically NPR talk radio throughout the day. Usually, you know, we can have, we have the NPR station on FM and then there's another station that frequently is playing the rest of NPR talk stuff throughout the day. However, at a certain point, no, no, I thought (laughs) 90.3 was the, uh, 90.3 was always the, the NPR talk station and 88.5 was the NPR talk, but also with the classical music. I feel like it's 89.3. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Anyways, (laughs) sometimes the station that has the talking turns into UMass student radio, which sometimes (laughs) I'm not up for. The banter is the best is emotionally draining. Um, (laughs) And so I go to the AM version. Okay, so it it, so it is actually an NPR station, but on AM. Okay. All also, right. there's so like sort of... uh, radio televangelists that you have to skip through. Okay, there's a lot of those. There's a Fox channel. I remember. I love foxes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> oh, I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> forgot my name. I just feel um, I get really uncomfortable listening to church stuff on the radio or in real life, but especially on the radio. <laughs> I drive a lot for work. I drive like 300 miles a week, so that's why I gotta listen to all the talk stuff and not just music. Which job do you do all the driving for? I have six jobs. I'm a freaking musician. So I work at Uh, one, two, three different schools. Okay, so it's it's not that you do a lot of driving for any particular job. It's You do a lot of driving to get to your different jobs, right? Yes, exactly. None of them are far away, but I just have so many short drives to do every single day. Okay. All right, that makes more sense. Yeah. I got so it. So some of the drives, it's just like, oh, it's not worth picking what song I want to listen to. And then, you know, blah, blah, blah. Okay. Sometimes it's too well, depressing, I... though. I don't want to listen to people, you know, listen to stories about all the other people that died. Well, if you're depressed about the news, <laughs> uh, we've got a sponsor this week. We don't have a sponsor, but I'm sort of, I'm trying to pitch it us to a sponsor. Okay. That sponsor could be audible.com. <laughs> Just imagine, uh, Jeff Bezos, if you had sponsored this podcast, um, we could be talking about how, you know, you listen to audiobooks or something in the car, and maybe you're learning something. I mean, come on, Jeff. Yeah, you, know, you ever, you ever read a book, Kamaya? <laughs> um, no, I only listen to books on audible.com because it's so freaking great. It's great. Uh, my favorite feature about audible is sometimes uh when the book is about something that jeff bezos finds offensive he'll change the words <laughs> first. so you know audible had you sponsored us that last part wouldn't have been in harry there. potter and the amazon prime <laughs> well he just 
he just inserts he just inserts all these like you know in Harry Potter he went to Ollivander's shop but Ollivander was closed that day so instead he bought it on Amazon anything with a store and that's how he got the fancy wand yeah just <laughs> I just bought some uh, dried fish flakes from Amazon but I didn't really read it very carefully they came from Japan so I uh, got them and uh, I ordered them like eight weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> is this is this like for feeding fish or is this flakes of fish? Flakes of fish to put in put to mix with uh, miso paste, make it salty. Oh. oh, okay. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, it's good. So you're welcome. Now, Jeff. isn't miso paste like already salty in most cases? I got sweet miso, and I'm supposed to have a lot of sodium because I have low blood pressure. So I was trying to boost it. Oh man, that's like. Uh, there must be people who are so jealous of that. It's a common problem, John. A lot of people. <laughs> most people. The problem that most Americans have are they're underweight and they've got low blood pressure. You know, yeah. if there is somebody out there listening who has high blood pressure, I will volunteer to go with you to an experimental medical treatment where we average our blood pressures because I cannot walk up two flights of stairs without blacking out. Have you tried Jesus. getting really mad all the time, Kamaya? Um, oh, interesting. Hmm. I always forget until I talk to you about how many odd medical issues you have. Oh my god, if only you got the update. <laughs> my tiny sad body is constantly <laughs> falling apart. I chalk it up to the fact that I'm my parents' first attempt, so they, you know, they did obviously a great job personality-wise, but <laughs> in terms of physical materials... They were still figuring it yes, out. Yes, they were figuring it out. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Not like your robust but dull younger siblings. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I would think. <laughs> I would think that your dad would have done a better job, given that he's a doctor. But he was just—he was guess, a baby you know, doctor at the time. He didn't know. <laughs> he was just mm. learning. <laughs> That's fair. All right. <laughs> yeah, or as I say to my high school students, my body is a piece of crap. <laughs> It's like a temple, but <laughs> not a good temple. It's like a temple. So it's it's a like a temple, temple orange that somebody has thrown out of a truck on the side of the highway and it fell next to a heroin needle. <laughs> not touching it, but just in sad, sad proximity. <laughs> mm. Probably like Dark a, reminder, a diaper but... that someone threw out the window and like a... McDonald's pack of fries that no one ate. Uh, now, if you do have a heroin problem, I, I do hope you get help. I don't have a heroin problem, but if anyone well, out there that's does... Really... Actually, if anyone out there doesn't, um, I have been carrying Narcan, so it's a useful thing to just have. Like, I just... just in case you like find a heroin addict and be like, ah, fuck you. Just, like, get rid of their high? Well, I did find somebody who had overdosed behind a trailer near my house. I wasn't carrying it at the time, but that's what inspired me to start. Mm. Oh. Well, that sounds like it was a, a, an exciting experience. Sort of. Or a horrifying one. Yeah. I called the police and I was like, hello, there's a man. Please come. And they came. <laughs> oh. Well, that's, that's good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The police do their job yet again. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, I saw a uh, an infographic thing that was showing the rate of death um, due to drug abuse disorders mm-hmm. over time from like mm-hmm. 1975 to 20, I think 16 or 17 or something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's nuts. Oh, yeah. It's not really? been going well. Oh, my God. Turns out. Huh. Yeah, I I had always sort of been under the impression that their the the drug problem had been sort of going away or not going away but that it i'd always wanted the impression that it was it was worse back in the 70s hmm. and 80s a time before i was alive mm-hmm. uh, the but apparently no. that's not the well, case you know now, the yeah. recently hired and recently fired head of our mutual former high school was arrested for possession of heroin and driving the wrong I... way down the street I did not know that. Oh, surprise! It happened. Wait, wow, so th- Bob, this was someone who was job. like recently hired. Yeah, he was hired in someone... September, and he started, and then driving the wrong way down the street, had drugs. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. No, I didn't even know that this new person had started. Oh, dost I thou care with... all about our alma mater? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, as a sad story, I'm just, like, uh, encountering more and more people who have been impacted by Mm. the spread of heroin. That's unfortunate. Yeah. Don't do it, kids. That's that's a practical advice that I have for you. (laughs) Um, You know, just, like, just do a bunch of weed instead. Okay. If you feel like doing (laughs) heroin, just, just go out of your mind, okay? Find some really strong edibles, maybe. I've heard, you know, those can make you feel like you're having a heart attack, so... <laughs> just oh go God. ham. Just ruin your brain on But that. you aren't having a real heart attack, you just think you I are. I just want mm-hmm. everyone to know so, that you know, it's all the excitement I'm of a heart attack silent on this danger. topic. <laughs> <laughs> or just start smoke Smoke a lot of cigarettes. Okay. It's my advice. I was just telling... <laughs> my uh, nine-year-old student today was like, I don't want to smoke. <laughs> and... <laughs> Did you For tell some him that reason, he didn't have what to? I decided to say was too bad. You have to. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> You've just ruined some poor child's life. Oh, he's gonna he's gonna get caught by his parents. He was not on the level of my sense of humor, and so I was like, "Oh, I'm sorry. You do not have to. Please do not. It is bad for you." <laughs> Whoops. Oh boy, he's gonna remember that one. Uh, I, I, that's like a, a good life lesson for that kid to learn, though, is that you you have to smoke. <laughs> Your teachers will no always betray you. At some point, you just have to. You may not want to. Like, well, that's that's a lot of what growing up is. I think is realizing that you may not want to do all these things, but you've got responsibilities, <laughs> um, such as supporting the flagging American tobacco industry. <laughs> Yeah, millennials are ruining the tobacco industry, so someone's got to step up and save them. These nine-year-old millennials. <laughs> millennials. I just read and confirmed by via my own life, uh, millennials are are killing the top sheet industry. Well, that seems... Repro- who can... You can't buy a bottom sheet. Okay, but do you guys you, you do you use bottom- top sheets? Yeah. Wait, you mean like a sh- a sheet that I sleep under? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I use a comforter Wait, and I just... put a I have a duvet cover on it and I take that off yeah. and wash it instead of having a top sheet also. Mm. Huh. 
Yeah, no, I, I, I have a, a sheet. Okay. Well, congrats, you guys. You're not. I can't imagine rolling. not having a sheet. Well, um, also, think outside I the wanna, box. I, <laughs> I just want to say that I want to actually start a movement. I want to start a petty movement on this podcast uh, right here, right now. Okay. I'm tired of people of our age being referred to as millennials. What are you? Uh, I'm I'm Ian. Thank you very much. Nice to meet you, Maya. <laughs> I think millennials are people born after 2010. What are you saying? That's Gen what? Z. No, because they're born in the new millennium, but also the first decade doesn't count. Okay, so wait, why does the first decade not count? Well, because John, it's a it's a special because John, you're. <laughs> <sighs> I feel like they're the, they're the oddies. They're the naughty oddies. Oh, wow. They're too young for you to call them naughty yet. Just wait. Well, <laughs> just, I don't know. I think there's, you know, some of them are, are old enough to be naughty. Oh, my God. This is... Wait, I don't... Oh, wait, I don't mean that in a... Shit, I realize now the... It, the no, were, it's okay. It's like okay. It's thing. okay. I would say, though, that it's it, it has been very shocking to me. My sister, my baby sister is just six years younger. And is so clearly in a different generation. She's definitely a Gen Z baby. She like is she always Snapchatting? She, yes, she makes plans with her friends on Snapchat. And I like <laughs> will send a snap to somebody, and then they'll answer like yes, and I have to be like, what did I say? <laughs> yeah, yeah is, me too. Is there a feature I never on Snapchat I on that Snapchat. the text vanishes or. Is that a problem? Well, you can save it if you want to, but then my sister's always like, "Why did you save it?" Well, I'm not about yeah, the no, text I, here, I cannot like... imagine making plans on Snapchat because yeah, I have the same problem. Like people will respond to my snaps, and I don't remember what I, I know. I'm them. like, let me write it down in my paper calendar book. <laughs> <laughs> but also, there's other things that are not Snapchat that are better for that. Yes, like Signal. You should get Signal like to sponsor you. It's a fully en- it's a fully encrypted is. messaging app. I use it with Jillian. Oh. Now, why would you care about? In- there's already, uh, there's already Facebook. Yeah. Now, um, are you and Jillian planning a heist? Is that why you need fully encrypted messages? Um. um and if so, uh, what, where, are you, what are you planning to steal, and from where? Oh, there's too much to name. But basically we use it because I feel like and she feels like somebody out there is preventing iPhones and Android phones from communicating effectively. And I find that when I send a lot of messages back and forth with an iPhone, they all start to get out of order and fragmented. And it's terrible. And so Hmm. Signal just keeps it all together. Nice. All right. And she sent me this this great thing today. What does it say? I'll read it to you. It says, Welcome to my gender reveal party. My reveal is that gender is a construct. Also, I'm not pregnant. I will be keeping your gifts. Please leave my home. Wow. That's inspiring. Yeah. (laughs) I'm inspired. Yeah. Yeah. Get ready for my freaking invitation to come this summer. Um... I don't know that I'm going to come to that party, honestly. Well, it seems like kind of a letdown for the guests. Okay, well, maybe I'll make it like a gender reveal slash Kimaya's birthday party. Whoa. Are you still going to like kick us out immediately? Uh, 
it depends on if anyone brings me anything cool. Alright, because, like, I mean, I'll come to a party that I get to hang out at, but if I just have to show up, give you a gift, and leave, I, I don't know if I'm going to come. Isn't that, Seems like, how our whole friendship was in high school, or? No, it wasn't. You didn't give me huh? anything. No, you gave me a lot of doodles, though. I'm leaving. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> like, you are going to that bar. The only food they Drink have that at that bar is pickles. <laughs> It's an amazing bar, but like how many? How do you order the pickles? You say, "Can I have a pickle?" And they give you a humongous deli pickle for a buck. Huh? Yes, as I said, dreams come true. (laughs) Do you want to plug the name of this bar? It's called Yield Watering Hole. It's also a beer can museum. They have hundreds, maybe even thousands of beer cans all over the shelves from all different eras. It's really cool. The bartenders are nice and wonderful, and. If you get too drunk to drive home, you can take the 32-second walk. I actually counted the number of steps. It is a 47-step walk from their door to my door. Oh, nice. Oh, so you have moved then since the last time I I saw your house. Oh, yeah, I think I have moved. So that's a a way better location than what you had before. Thank you. Uh, Only in that, you know, you're so close to the watering hole. Ye old watering hole. Ye old. Mm The top bar in Western Massachusetts. Yeah, I always call it Watering Hole, and my sweet, precious friend Madeline always calls it Yield. And I'm always like, "What?" And she's like, "Do you want to meet at Yield?" And I'm like, "Yield?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think I've ever heard anyone refer to it simply as Yield before. <laughs> That's that seems odd. Yes, very idiosyncratic. Well, Kamaya, it was great to have you on the podcast this Thank week. Thank you for having me. It sure was. Thank you. Uh, before we go, we should give you one final chance to plug anything. I know you've sort of been plugging your album this whole time, but do you want to more Against formally our, plug it now? Sure. Strong verbal warnings. <laughs> uh, and if you have anything to plug in addition to your album, go ahead and do that as right. well. All right. Well, my album, Breastfed, is out right now on Spotify. My name is Kimaya Diggs. Um, you can find more of my music at Facebook, Kimaya Diggs Music, or at my website, www.kimayadiggs.com. Uh, it's spelled K-I-M-A-Y-A. Yeah, that's that. <laughs> it's a great album. I think it's freaking awesome. I'm so proud of it, and I am so happy to share it with people, and I hope you really like it. I agree. It is a great album. I keep listening to it and thinking, wow, this sounds like a, a real professional oh, album. Thank you. Can't believe... I know someone who made it a real album. <laughs> mm-hmm. It was me all along. I keep listening to St. Vincent's self-titled St. Vincent album and saying, I can't believe this is Kamaya Diggs. <laughs> <laughs> That's also a very good album. Okay, how, okay. You should uh, consider uh, writing um, St. Vincent or make, you know, making St. Vincent's next album. Oh, well, you know, it's on my to-do list after like okay. 1,100 other things. Mm-hmm. Right. That's, well, that's I just—I want to emphasize that you do need to, at some point, become friends with Saint Vincent, okay, um, so that I can meet her. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I wonder. You know yeah, how her promise. real name is Annie. I wonder if people call her Saint, mm-hmm. like her fans, and they're like, "Saint, look over here! I want to take a selfie." Do they do that? I don't know. Oh. Yeah, is is she like a wrestler where you have to call her by her stage name? Yeah, I don't know. I don't um, think that I would call her Vinny. 
I think I would just call her Saint Vincent if I ever Saint met her. Saint Vincent. It's a it's a tough. T- oh, that actually, I I did have one more question for oh, yeah. you. Um, Ask it away. Uh, do you know if any of the members of Lux Deluxe are wrestling fans? Oh, I don't know. Every now and then, both Jacob Rezaza, my husband, and Jake Edwards the drummer of Lex Deluxe, sometimes they will shave their beards into a mustache and it reminds me of Hulk Hogan. Um, okay. That's all I can say. Beyond that, right. I don't know. <laughs> well, because Second Nature off of their first album, Hollow Ground, I think would be an excellent theme song for a wrestler. So you should just let them know and they should make it happen. You know, try to make that all happen. Alright, you know what? I'll just make it happen in my own time. Very passionate. Alright, great. Mm-hmm. Thank you. I really appreciate yeah, no that. Yeah. Uh, so so yeah, we've left yeah. you with plenty to do. Come on. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I have 1,101 uh, things to do. Uh, yep. So uh, thank you once again for joining us. Um, I would like to plug our other album that Ian and, or sorry, our <laughs> other podcast that Ian and I host, ASMR Quest. Uh, and. But did you, what? That's just very exciting right. to hear about. Wait, did you not know about no? that? Oh, yeah, we have another podcast. We've been doing it for a little over a year. It's called ASMR Quest. Okay. Guys, go <laughs> listen with me. <laughs> You've got plenty to catch up on. It's a uh, <laughs> wet and wild journey. Sure is. Uh, <laughs> sorry, that threw me threw me I'm off. Uh, we also still haven't formalized how we end this podcast. Okay. So, can I... Do you want to give it a shot? Do you want to end it? Okay. I'm going to try to do a little whistle and then I'll say bye, okay? But I'm not good at whistling. All right. Sounds good. Bye, everyone. Thanks for listening.